So for today's show, we've got two guests coming up, one momentarily, the other in a little bit, uh, two city council members to talk about some different topics. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be joined by city council member Donovan Richards of Queens. He chairs the public safety committee of the city council and has a lot to say on NYPD oversight and accountability. So we're going to talk with him about NYPD issues as well as some other things, including Queens politics, as we're waiting to see the results of the recount in the Queens DA primary, which we should know any day now. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by City Council Member Justin Brannon, who uh, was on the podcast previously uh, and will be joining us. He represents parts of Brooklyn, and he is the chair of the Council's Committee on Resiliency and Waterfronts, and we've asked him to come on for that very reason. And the timing couldn't be better in a way because the last few days have framed, I think, uh, some of the resiliency issues that people anticipate the city encountering more and more and more deeply um, as climate change takes hold. You had this incredibly hot uh, stretch over the, the last week and, and the weekend. And then, you know, with power outages that tied into that. And then you had this torrential rain on Monday, absolutely monsoon conditions um, for for several hours, um, a, a little kind of microcosm yes. of some of the different challenges, although not all the challenges, but some of the challenges the city will face as climate change takes hold. And obviously for a city like New York, you know, we want to talk about ways that you can reduce your climate, your carbon footprint and and try to hold off climate change, maybe reverse some of those processes. But there seems to be almost no debate that some of those effects are coming. Some of those effects are here. And so bracing the city for those is obviously a a big focus and something the mayor has talked about. But increasingly, there are questions about whether we've talked about it enough. And I suspect that's something that the council member uh, will be focusing on in his committee. Yeah, we'll bring Justin Brandon on in just a second. You know, we should also say that, you know, these these more micro events, the blackout and the heat wave and the and the flash floods, you know, these are happening, of course, amid a much bigger conversation about, as you said, whether the city is really ready for a next big storm. And, uh, you know, this comes on the heels just a couple of months ago. The city controller, Scott Stringer, released a report where they looked exhaustively, as the controller's office does at things, about the fact uh, that the report says in its headline, the city remains dangerously exposed to next superstorm as resiliency spending lags. And that's basically looking at the billions of dollars in federal funding that came after Superstorm Sandy to help bolster the city is not being fully spent uh, quite a few years later here. And so that's something that our first guest, and let's bring on City Council Member Justin Brandon, our first guest will discuss a bit with us is how he's in his oversight capacity uh, looking at some of these issues. But let's welcome City Council Member Justin Brandon. Thanks for joining us here on WBAI. Right on. Thanks for having me, guys. And we should say for, for folks listening, you are our first term Democrat representing parts of Southern Brooklyn, Bay Ridge, Diker Heights and other neighborhoods. And as I said, uh, now chairing the council's committee on resiliency and waterfronts. Um, so so top of mind the last couple of weeks, what are some of the things that you're thinking about as we've seen some of these uh, significant events and the city struggling at times to respond to them? Well, I think the past, you know, 10 days, we've seen climate change's greatest hits, basically. Um, Whether it's this biblical rain or power failures, power outages, um, this past week and change clearly showed that we are not prepared uh, for the extremes that climate change will bring. Um, And, you know, that is a big part of of this new committee that I'm chairing, the Committee on Resiliency and Waterfronts, where uh, we're going to take a really close look into what 
has been done and what has not been done to uh, help make uh, the city of New York more resilient in the face of climate change. Um, and after the past couple of days, I mean, I'm not alone. I mean, everyone is talking about it that uh, we're doesn't look like we're ready. And it's really, really scary because I think we all know uh, that it's not a matter of if, it's, it's a matter of when. Uh, the next Sandy is going to hit, and um, we are are nowhere near ready, and it's frankly very, very startling, Um, and something's got to be done about it, and that's why I plan to really take a a deep, deep look into that. For people who've been scoring at home, they might recall that under the previous session of the City Council, your Brooklyn colleague, Mark Traeger, headed up a committee on recovery and resiliency, and now you're you're heading up one on resiliency and waterfronts. I wonder... uh, do we feel as though we have now fully turned the page from recovering from Superstorm Sandy and looking more exclusively at resiliency at the next storm? Are we there yet, or do you feel there is still work to be done to recover from the last big one? I mean, I toured, um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm doing with this new committee is trying to tour every little um, corner of the city where there is waterfront. And I toured Breezy Point uh, last week. Um, and they, you know, they're back standing on two feet, but they're still very much um, in a recovery mode where uh, there's stuff that was badly, badly damaged in Sandy that is still exposed and still vulnerable. So, and also you speak to people on Staten Island, um, some are who are still rebuilding. You know, seven years now, we're going to be coming up on seven years since Hurricane Sandy. Inevitably, you'll see the stories in the New York Times about people who are still waiting to get their homes rebuilt um, after Hurricane Sandy. And seeing uh, Breezy Point was the same thing. People still waiting to get their houses raised up um, and whatnot. I just met with the Department of City Planning yesterday to, to look at their new uh, flood maps. Um, so, you know, there's, but this is, you know, almost seven years later, and we're still talking about this stuff, you know, and I think, you know, from my perspective as, as an outer borough guy who represents, you know, deep, deep southwest Brooklyn, you know, you hear a whole lot about what's going on in lower Manhattan. You never hear anything else about the rest of the city. I don't hear people talking about the east shore of Staten Island or Canarsie or Broad Channel or Gerritsen Beach or people aren't even talking about Coney Island anymore. Um, so what I'm looking to do on this committee is say, look, you know, I, I, I love I love me some Lower Manhattan, but it's not the only waterfront in the city. Uh, we're a city of waterfronts. You know, we got five boroughs, and four of them are surrounded by water. So we got a lot of work to do. And and the past week has really, really, it should be a sobering reminder of what is coming down the pike and 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 how ready, how prepared or unprepared we are. Um, you know, I mean, look, last November we had six inches of snow and it shut down the city. Um, you know, so these things are going to become the norm more and more and more where, you know, it's 100 degrees on Sunday and it's 70 degrees on Monday. These drastic extremes um, are going to keep continue happening more and more. And I just, I don't think we're ready. And I don't know if it's bureaucracy or the money is being, is being squandered or whatever it is, but that's what we're looking to, to, to get into, to dive into. And also to really look at what's being done in the outer boroughs, in the outer reaches of, you know, Sheepshead Bay and Edgewater Park and Harding Park and these areas that you never hear about. 
Well, it's interesting you mentioned those. Those areas were covered by a planning process uh, called Resilient Neighborhoods that the city launched after Sandy. And it looked at these kind of unique, very vulnerable waterfront communities like Edgewater Park in the Bronx, like Garrison Beach. And what we found is that you know the city crafted plans, but a lot of it really did depend on this interface between some public policy in terms of zoning and, and rules and maybe some subsidies, but also decisions by private property owners. And that's where it gets tricky trying to you know figure out whether you can help people or even force people to elevate their properties, whether you can send them signals, whether you can require that. And so I wonder, you know, I know you are just sort of in the fact finding stage of this, but what do you think is the the canvas on which uh, public policy in this area can be can be painted. Can we talk about forcing private property owners to elevate their stuff? Can we think about whether we have to retreat from some of these areas? Well, I think that that was you know I, I met yesterday with with the folks from the um, Department of City Planning, and we talked about you know the the existential threat of climate change as it relates to these new these new zoning maps for coastal flood uh, resiliency. Um, and you know they they have maps that that go all the way out to 2050 uh, and, and what the city's going to look like then um and i think you know what we're dealing with here is, is unprecedented right i mean I, I will give the administration credit with the build it back program that was a completely unprecedented program that the the, the city government was going to get involved in rebuilding people's homes it's never been done before um, so obviously there were going to be growing pains and that was going to be a, a lot of challenges there but we can't when we're dealing with, you know, what do they say? Desperate times call for desperate measures, right? When we're dealing with something here where it's, base, it's, it's literally a race against the clock, we can't tie our own hands and, and sort of, you know, um, hold, hold ourselves hostage to this bureaucracy of, you know, how things are done in the past. I think we need to flip the table over and, and really think outside the box to get this done as soon as possible, um, and, you know, as it relates to private property and if it's, if it's in danger that the city needs to you know make sure that we're taking care of people that are living living in these areas where parts of Midland Beach and Staten Island that no longer exist so um, it, it requires a holistic approach but it, but there needs to be urgency and I'm not feeling I'm not sensing any kind of urgency when the power goes out in Manhattan everyone is freaking out and when it's a hundred degrees and it's it's biblical rain everyone starts bugging out and then a couple days later they forget about it and they're you know back to you know, worried about the R train, which is equally horrible. So the urgency needs to be sustained. And because it's almost seven years now in our rearview mirror, um, it just feels like people are forgetting. And maybe this past week and, and, and nine, ten days was, was a, will be a sobering reminder for folks at what we're looking at in the next couple of decades, you know, or not sooner. I want to ask you about uh, two related things. Um, one is you recently introduced a bill with City Council Member Costa Constantinides, who we've had on the show recently, to talk about work he's done with the Environmental Committee of the Council and uh, what's being called, you know, New York City's Green New Deal around building emissions. Um, you two uh, were lead sponsors on a recent bill to require a five-borough resiliency plan. Uh, talk about that a little bit. So uh, 2013, uh, the city launched a almost $20 billion climate resiliency plan um, to boost the city's capacity to, to withstand you know, future extreme uh, weather events. Since then, uh, the city has proposed you know, a whole bunch of additional resiliency plans 
and that includes you know some of the stuff we spoke about the lower manhattan climate resiliency uh, the east coast resiliency the hunts point staten island and the east shore uh, but many of these projects are still in the study phase still in the study phase so what we are uh, you know, really trying to, to, to grind down on is, again, what are we waiting for? I mean, I understand we, we're studying and we're studying, but the storms are coming and coming, um, and, and they're going to be here knocking on our door, sitting on our couch before we know it. Um, so I think Costa and I are looking at doing an oversight hearing um, in October uh, to, to really dig into the seventh anniversary of Superstorm uh, Superstor Sandy and where we're at uh, and what we've done and what we haven't done. Um, you know, I, look, I think everything that's happened in the past, the past week or so um, is, is speaking directly to this existential, this crisis that we have right now. And if another Sandy caliber storm uh, struck today, uh, all all points, all roads lead to New York being completely shut down, um, based on what we've seen in, in the past week. So um, there's kind of a couple. There's kind of a couple things at play here, right? There's the resiliency planning and bolstering, and you know maybe it's it's proactive or treating from a shoreline or building out a shoreline or some of these different major projects. Um, but then there's also what happens when uh, you know there's a blackout or there's flash flooding or things like that? On that side of things, um, you know, I, I've seen you on social media. You know that you're you're you know quickly trying to respond to anything happening in your district, and you're you know worried about as many customers that don't have power and potholes and you know things that are that are going on on the ground. When you're looking at the city's response to some of these, let's just call them sort of micro emergencies. How do you, what do you see there? I mean, do you see that OEM, the Office of Emergency Management, do you see the NYPD, FDNY? Are they all really ready to go in these instances? Um, I give OEM a lot of credit. I mean, they my my main beef and my beef with Con Ed as well is that they're always very responsive or as responsive as they can be when they're getting phone calls from you know, 51 different council members who are screaming about something going on in their district. They're responsive. They'll get back to you. They'll tell you, you know, what the update is and how many people are, are, are you know, out of, don't have power and how, you know, what the estimated restoration timeline is and all this stuff, which is great for the here and now. But there's never a conversation about why these things happened, and there's never a conversation about what we're doing, what they're doing to make sure that it doesn't happen again. I, I represent a, a neighborhood called Diker Heights, and we still have a lot of overhead power lines in Diker Heights. So you can set your watch reliably every year in the summer and the winter, usually in the most extreme temperatures, there will be some sort of power outage. Um, and this happens, like what happened in, in, in Manhattan um, a couple of week, a week or two ago, it happens every single summer and winter in my district. And people just deal with it. And it's, it's insane that we're just dealing with it. Con Ed comes out, they fix it, they keep you updated, the power's back on. And then it's like, okay, we'll see you guys in March when this happens again. There's never any conversation about, well, even when they tell us, okay, you know what happened last night? A transformer blew up. Okay, I get it. Things happen. Can you tell me why the transformer blew up? What, what's causing this to happen over and over and over again? And what are we doing to mitigate it or, or to prevent it from happening again? Those conversations just never happen. So I think we're focused on being super 
reactive, which obviously is important, but we're not being proactive and we're not really dissecting this stuff and taking a look at it when, you know, the middle of April and May, when the weather isn't extreme just yet, why aren't we worrying about that then if inevitably we know that these things are going to happen? Those conversations are just not being had. I mean, it's not. And when you're in the midst of it and, and all hell is breaking loose and you're just trying to get information to your constituents, that's obviously not the time to have these conversations. But then everyone goes dark and there's no, there's no conversation about it. So that is super, super frustrating because there's, for a lot of folks when this last you know, week and a half of Con Ed outages, it's, it's nothing new to some of us in the outer boroughs where this happens reliably. But again, there's never any talk about what's being done to make sure it doesn't happen again. I think there is an elephant in the room when you come to the larger resiliency plan, which is the federal government and the Army Corps of Engineers. And I get the sense sometimes that, you know, while the city has made some plans and taken, taken some actions, obviously the mayor's Lower Manhattan Initiative and the uh, Lower East Side one, which caused some controversy, you know, there's the possibility that the feds are going to build this huge uh, surge gate that will block the whole harbor or a series of smaller gates. And, and that could really change some of the coastal risks. But that decision is a few years off. Do you get the sense that that's kind of part of why the city is um, biding its time to some degree? It's a good question. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't admit that to us, because then, you know, it wouldn't make people like me's head explode if I knew that that's what they were waiting for. But when I hear, you know, that um, six years, you know, after Hurricane Sandy, we're now starting our our first major project in, in response, you know, this five-mile-long seawall on the coast of Staten Island, it, that it's just about ready to begin construction. I mean, what, <laughs> just, what are we waiting for? I mean, and not to mention, I mean, there was an article in, in, the, in the Times, I think, in, uh, back in May, talking about sandbags on the East River. I mean, yeah. seven years later, and this is the best we could come up with? Look, I'm not saying that, that I know this stuff cold, but, I mean, I could have told you the day after Sandy, maybe we try some sandbags. You're telling me six years, seven years later, that's, uh, that's the solution? So it's just very, very frustrating. And then when you talk to folks in Breezy Point and Coney Island and the Rockaways and, you know, out in the Bronx, this is they just they can't believe it they can't believe that nothing has been done and they can very quickly when when you i mean what you saw on social media uh the other night on uh, monday night with people sharing photos where you couldn't even tell if that was from hurricane sandy or from or from the middle you know the middle of july 2019 um and that's that, that is a real real problem so we're hoping that we could dive into this stuff in the new committee and get some answers very good. Yeah. And we uh, we just have one more minute here with you, City Council Member Justin Brandon of Brooklyn, uh, who's chairing a newly created sort of recreated council committee on resiliency and uh, planning some some upcoming hearings. Do you think that October hearing is going to be your first oversight hearing or something before that? We'll have some. We'll probably have something in September. We're going to start up in September and then try to hit the ground running. But obviously, because we're going to have the seventh anniversary of Sandy, we're going to we need to do something. And I think it's really going to be uh, startling. Um, you know, just just how little has been done. And um, uh, yeah, on yeah. on the on the front of where the city council comes in, and obviously, as you say, when when the conversation sort of goes dark, when the extremes aren't so extreme. Um, you know, that's where the city council oversight hearings come in and the other city council hearings and legislative process and even the budget process. So let me ask you, when the the recent city budget was passed, including the, the new capital budget, are there very clear discussions around crafting the city's capital budget 
as it relates to some of these issues? I mean, it seems to me in in the tens and tens of billions of dollars in the capital budget, clearly there's a lot of money being set aside for issues related to sewers and, and such. Is this are these conversations connected at all in your experience or is that something that really needs to happen moving forward? Um, that's a good question. I think more of these conversations have to, um, we have to realize that none of this stuff happens in a silo. And I think that what happens is you have, you know, contingents of members from Staten Island or, you know, rep, you know, people who represent Southern Brooklyn or represent, you know, out in the Bronx or Edgewater Park or Harding Park, who obviously this is always going to be on their radar. Um, you know, for other folks who might be in the sort of land, the landlocked uh, districts of the council, it's not as big of a priority, you know. So I think it's obviously always something that's in the back of our mind. Uh, but I think now because of, you know, the events of the past couple of weeks, it's come front and center. And I think it's up to us and it's up to, you know, me and my new committee and Costa and, and, and folks to make sure it stays front of mind and that it doesn't get pushed aside as we start talking about, you know, um, squirreling away money for the future and, and, and making sure that we realize that all this stuff is connected and, and none of this stuff happens in a silo. All right. Well, we will check back in with you and we'll look forward to those upcoming hearings from from your new committee. Uh, City Council Member Justin Brandon, thanks for taking some time with us here today. We will talk with you soon. Right on, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back. And you're listening to Max and Murphy here on WBAI Radio 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. Ben Max from Gotham Gazette with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits. We just heard from City Council Member Justin Brannon of Brooklyn about the city's preparedness or lack thereof for major weather and other emergencies uh, and his work coming up about resiliency planning in the city council and trying to hold the city administration and others accountable for better resiliency planning. Yeah, he raised a lot of interesting points. I mean, I think uh, it's it's obviously a complex issue. The city's powers are not um, are not universal in this. Are not, they're not uh, omnipotent. Um, and I think there is an element of waiting for the Army Corps of Engineers to figure out what it's going to do because that really does change the risks. And that's a very very complex, controversial debate. There. What's interesting is that. One thing I've noticed about the the climate change conversation, and and I've been guilty of this too, is that we we tend to obsess on the climate, the coastal risk, because obviously that was, you know, exemplified dramatically during Sandy. But it's going to mean a ton of other risks too. I mean, we saw heat, we see the outages, there'll be flooding during rainstorms, it has nothing to do with the coast or with surges there. Um, There will be potential impacts on agriculture, it'll be climate refugees. I mean, there's all number of ways the city might be affected. And I think part of what needs to be wrestled with is not just figuring out what we do about the coast, but what's going to happen to the rest of us inland who could be affected by it too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, his frustration that he was expressing there about the fact that we don't really seem to be very far from where we were nearly seven years ago when Sandy hit in terms of being ready for some of the big weather events is really troubling. And as you say, you know, the the impacts of climate change are going to be on all sorts of different scales and all over the place. And so we saw that, you know, with heat wave and uh, the flash flooding, that stuff's happening all over the place. That can happen, again, as you say, not on the coast, but inland where there happen to be, you know, bad drainage. I mean, you know, just some of these things are, are really going to be problems unless the city really kicks um, its planning 
into a, a new phase. So that'll be, of course, interesting to keep watching and keep checking in on. I'm particularly interested, as Brandon was saying, about you know what are some of these hearings that he's going to hold with this newly recreated committee. Uh, it's a little confusing why that committee ever went away, but it's back, <laughs> and so um, you know it will be interesting to watch how much pressure they can put on the city and, and move things along a little quicker.